0: Hi, everybody. Stefan Muller here, principal at Knapp Elementary School. Uh, Ever since the shutdown happened, uh, I've been looking and searching for ways to connect with students and families in in other ways. And um, obviously, this shook everybody's world, turned things upside down. And now we're trying to figure things out. Like never before. So uh, my fear is that emails with all the emails flying around, whether it's from the district or whether it's from me or from teachers or just from everybody's work uh, and everything else going on, I fear that email would just become stale and trite and looking for other alternative ways to engage with families uh, that might be more appropriate uh, during this time um, that might be more engaging uh, and uh, gives us an opportunity to connect in a different way so uh, that's what i'm i'm trying to accomplish here or hoping to accomplish here Um, and my goal is to talk through some of our updates each week rather than just sending them out in an email which i'll still send out Updates as I get them, um, but I, I I do think it would be good if we could talk through uh, some of the updates rather than just reading bullet after bullet. Um, but also talk through different challenges that we're facing uh, on a regular basis or each week due to coronavirus, whether it's education related or uh, outside of education in our personal lives or in our homes. Uh, I know for me, that's been the biggest challenge: is life being turned upside down at home um, with Kids and work all coming together uh, as as one, which is has just changed how I do work. And um, it's it's a little bit strange and still feels surreal. I think it's very, very apparent that we are not going back to school on March 30th. Just looking at the climate and what's going on uh, outside of school and education. Uh, but everywhere else is preparing for a complete shutdown. Um, Know, even essential stores maybe right I've heard some of that but uh, nonetheless um, we just don't know when it's happening uh, or how long it's happening uh, at this point so uh, but some other good news to pass along uh, this past weekend 3,000 Chromebooks were distributed so we're talking 3,000 students who now have a device um, and hopefully can get up and running with with things uh, as we hit March 30th Um, but 3,000 Chromebooks distributed on Saturday uh, this past weekend, and that's just a great feat, and it was pulled together literally in 24 hours or less. So kudos to the tech team, the North Penn technology team, um, and the many volunteers who came out, just teachers and custodians and staff, uh, just came out to hand out Chromebooks. And the stories that I heard from people were, it was just amazing and the gratitude that people had, you know, some people crying, just tears of joy and happy to to be able to get connect their kid uh, with a device. It was great. Um, So hopefully that, that, um, you know, we can can take that momentum and and move forward uh, as we go into this virtual-esque type of Existence that we'll have, so uh, not sure when a second wave will be if there will be a second wave, but as soon as I hear, I will certainly reach out i'm sure everybody will hear from the district, but uh, that information will be passed along um, but at this point all all signs are pointing to running a virtual school for students throughout North Penn School District, um, and that's a big task uh, that's no easy feat. Um, because that's not how we're set up. And it's it's not the easiest thing to do with, uh, let's just say kindergartners, for example, but it's far easier to do with juniors and seniors in high school. And uh, I, I saw that up there when I was at the high school. So it's, it's, a, it's a much easier piece to do, but... Um, we're all navigating it together i do trust that we'll we'll all figure it out um we're we're not going to throw a perfect game uh this is the first time that we would ever be trying to to communicate lessons and activities virtually in this type of format and in mass, right? I could I could easily do that and set a kid up. My own kids, for example, three kids. I could set them up. I have four, but three kids of school age. I could set them up where they're doing learning activities. Um, however, there becomes a scaling issue when you have to do that for twelve thousand kids throughout the district, right? So, um, becomes much more of a challenge. Um, you know, and it, it, the, there's a lot of nuance and and intricacies that come with that. Um we're all trying to figure it out together. So either way, I do believe we will figure it out. Well... Julianne, thank you for joining. Um, Obviously, I've talked to you about how I wanted to change things up a little bit and push my own boundaries, uh, but also provide another option for parents and families just to connect with. Um, And I wanted to bring you on as a guest, uh, specifically because you're a parent, you're a working parent, um, and here you are, like the rest of us, you're now a homeschooling parent. Um, And I'm also a a board member, and everyone knows that you're a board member as well. Uh, You also help out with home and school, so you're very involved in what goes on at at school from a variety of different levels. Um, And you you, you just bring a lot of different perspectives and and wear a lot of different hats. So welcome, and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for doing this. I think it's a great opportunity um, for everyone to kind of come together and in the time of social distancing, it's I think it's important just to hear each other's voices sometimes.
0: Sure. Uh yeah, so there's I mean
1: no connections going.
0: Yeah, uh, it was just a few days ago, handing out medical distribution or supplies for parents coming in and, you know, lo and behold, you live right down the road, you and your daughter Shayla are walking by just randomly thinking no one's at the school and it was like this social event for me. Uh, (laughs) You know, obviously we kept our distance, but it was really nice to see you, it was nice to see Shayla, uh, it was nice to see a handful of families who drove up, picked up their supplies and, and took off. Um, so yes, in this era, uh, that we now live in, which feels like it's been forever, but it's been a week and, uh, two days and, you know, it's just, it's, it was actually really cool to see people, but it is important to connect. Um, you know, whether it's through a virtual meeting, whether it's through a phone call, um, I do believe in in the power of this type of conversation when we can 't meet face to face so um, obviously things changed. Uh, the sports world shut down, education shut down um, you know obviously no clubs a- activities nobody 's doing basketball at night or dance or gymnastics or any of that type of stuff right now um, and right now we 're in this spot where yeah, we're spending every waking moment almost with our, our kids and our families. And obviously, there's some positives with that. Um, but it, it obviously has brought some challenges, too. So how have you been managing? What's your home life look like? What's what's a day-to-day look like in the Ramach household?
1: I mean, I'll say that, you know, that I am very grateful that I do have a job where I've been able to transition to work from home. Um, but I also was worried about having the schedule meetings and having kids around and, you know, all of these things. So we gathered outside um, and we, um, you know, kind of sat down on a blanket in the backyard. So it made it feel like we were away, um, not sitting in the middle of our living room. And we had a family meeting um, and we talked, about, um, we talked about what was happening. We talked about the need of being flexible and we are going to have to adapt. And Shayla looks at me and she goes, "You mean resilient, Mom?" Um, <laughs> and that's when it kind of hit me that I was PBIS and all of the things that you all had done had prepared them for this in many ways. You know, I think she had regrets, like she wished she had said goodbye to someone, and that she wished she had done something, knowing that she was going to be out for two weeks. Um, and so we talked about ways of trying to address that, but we kind of came up with a schedule. And and I said, "Do you want a rigid schedule?" Where we kind of said, and I didn't use the word rigid, but you know like a little bit more of a firm schedule where we had wake up and you have breakfast and we do all these activities or do you want me if we outline goals that we want to accomplish for the day and you work towards them and you work towards them together would that work better for you and they both agree that during this time that was the schedule they wanted so they they know that they must accomplish chores around the house sure they must help out with pets they must answer any and all requests from teachers and check in there and then we set up reading goals And we set up reading goals, which they wanted to do. So Shayla has a reading bingo. Um, She also has an hour, um, kind of a a time limit that she wants, a goal that she wants to reach each each day. And then my daughter has a goal for the number of books that she wants to finish. So so we kind of set that up and that worked. Um, At least so far it's worked. Um, And so we let them have weekends. So this past weekend it was like, a little bit more of a free for all, um, and what I actually found this weekend is that my kids chose to be together instead of separated. You know, like usually sometimes they would kind of separate from you know, like they needed downtime, true downtime. But this now they want to be together, so they were riding bikes together and they braided each other's hair, and um, and it was it was really quite sweet.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I my kids. Um, They've been great, and uh, it's obviously only been a week... Um, I'm just, i 'm just I worry if this is sustainable for my household and my kids and their own sanity, uh, which at some point it 's going to hit some sort of peak or climax where they 're at each other 's uh, throats however yeah. they 've been fantastic, and you know we 've similarly we 've had some sort of structure uh, we have a schedule written out however we don 't adhere to it entirely it just kind of forms a basis rather than specific times um, so So they know that they're going to get their chores done. The only thing that's really set is like 10 o'clock is a hard start um, for us to do academic work um, of some sort, and there that comes in very different shades uh but so the so the what we ask them to do they get up you know they do the basic stuff of getting themselves ready for the day whether it's breakfast brushing teeth brushing hair um getting dressed um and then there's some chores mixed in there that they have to get done and whatever order they go in great but 10 o'clock we get started and then roughly around Noon, They break for lunch. Um, But the academic activities really have, have, some of them have been fun or some of them have just been like, get through this piece here or Google Classroom that. Um, You know, just keeping it simple. Um, But again, I worry about how long this can last, especially with the little ones. Like I have fifth grade, third grade, first grade and and preschool. Um, Similarly, it's a free for all on the weekends. Uh, There's only, you know, there's only so much you can manage and keep it to this tight, rigid schedule, as you said, but, um, you yeah, but I, I'm really impressed with how my kids have done, um, just at least going from the seamless transition from one day you're in school to the next day you're not, and you never know when you're going back. What's it like for you, uh, from a work standpoint,
1: I think I've, in the same way, like I've done it before. Like I, my schedule used to be that I was working a couple of days a week and then commuting into Philly. But I, I don't think I had two kids at home who, also, I was concerned about like their emotional support needs too. You know, yeah. So it's a, it is a little different, and also myself, right? Um, so I think one of the things that I realized this last week is that when things were and i'll I'll say normal right like i think this is our new normal but our old normal um i would have good days at work days and i would have bad work days and i'd have days where i was really productive and days where i'd scratch my head and go wow why couldn't i get that report finished or why couldn't i get that done um and i really hit a point on thursday last week where i was like oh yeah i used to have bad days too like thursday was a rough day like i just didn't feel like i was getting things done it was hard to be as responsive and supportive as I needed to be um, and it had nothing really to do with my kids per se it was just but it was a nice reminder like okay I'm gonna have good days I'm gonna have bad days and I've got to remember that and I shared that with a coworker of mine and she goes oh well in my old workplace we used to do um, we'd start off with you know three things you are great before and so we started a little group and my email just came in um, where we're kind of listing out the three things that we're grateful for. Um, and she admitted that she had had a really rough weekend, so all she could do was kind of come up with a random... But so I'm grateful for this beautiful sunrise of a picture that's not even the picture of someone yeah. outside my door, you know? Um, and so just giving yourself that grace to say, okay, it's, there's good days, there's bad days, um, and then just try to hold to that. And I think co-workers are responsive, too, um, and our understanding in the same way that teachers are adapting and then in the same way parents are responding, um, we all kind of seem to be in this together. So I think for me it was, you know, starting my day with gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I did see you, you referenced earlier, um, the time, you know, running into each other at NAP, um, that was really one of those efforts with the kids too, was to say, you know, look, there's so many people who are, going above and beyond during these tough times um, and for me it was at that time it was the school nutrition services the yeah. fact that they're coming together packaging meals and distributing 900 meals district wide 150 at nap that's a big deal that's sure. a, a sense of stability and community that is is really amazing and so we've made it you know shayla decided to go make a thank you sign and we got to go hang it. And Mm -hmm. that helped me to take that bad day and kind of restart and recharge.
0: Sure. I mean, if a sixth grader can find the, take an optimistic approach and find those silver linings, you know, it's a good lesson for all of us. Um, Which brings me to my next question. And we casually talked a little bit about this. There are... Like, this is a serious matter for our country, for the world, for our community, Um, you know, and and certain people are impacted more directly than others, obviously, from the health standpoint and the work standpoint. Um, But what are some of the silver linings? Because I do do believe in the power of positivity. I do believe in being optimistic um, and doing our best to keep others around us smiling, um, staying positive. What are some of the silver linings that you have noticed or come across. And I think it goes hand in hand with that gratitude piece you were talking about.
1: Yeah. I think starting that off in my day leaves me open for those silver linings. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have, you know, I'm a little bit more worried about some, on Sundays, my 14 year old who was so active and so engaged, but even a week prior to this, she had asked, she said, "Wow, I really need some time off. Um, and so giving her that time and space to be able to say, okay, great, you've got it. Here it is. Let's embrace it. Um, but she is my on-the-go kid and still feels that she needs to be on the go. Um, and so trying to help her understand how you can recharge and still remain engaged, um, is, it, it, that's been a fun conversation that's helped to bring us together. So I think just the act of slowing down but not feeling out of touch. I don't feel out of touch right now. I don't feel disconnected from my peers. I don't feel disconnected from other parents because we're all trying to stay connected in those little ways. Um, so I think that's been that for us. I think, you know, we we all sat on the sofa last night and we watched TV show together and we laughed together. Um, we're eating meals together. We're meal planning. Um, <laughs> and then I think one of my all-time favorite strategies of surviving a conference call with kids is Last week I tried to save their chores until I had this big meeting that I knew I needed. I had to be on camera. I had, you know, I had to be present. Um, and I, one of the chores was to re, to put clean sheets on their bed. So life skills, you know, my kids can now put a fitted sheet on a bed. Um, so it, it wasn't <laughs> the best thing in the end to do during That's a right. call because it was, they were a little noisy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I always get frustrated with the fitted sheet. It always starts out the rectangles going the wrong way. This isn't a good scene for yeah. me. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, if, if they're moving in a in a direction where they're able to get it, good for good for them and good for you. <laughs> um, some of the some yeah. of the silver linings that I am seeing or trying to find um, is from a from a staff perspective I, I i see people pushing themselves uh, because they have to it's not anyone finger wagging saying you need to catch up with this technology from an instructional standpoint it is a necessity so a lot of teachers and i've had a lot of conversations with individuals we meet frequently um and i've heard a lot of people say you know Stefan, i i I couldn't have done much with the computer before other than a handful of things that I've needed to use, like Google Docs. But now I'm forced to go out of that comfort zone in order to meet kids where they're at. And it's been really rewarding. And it's it's because I was forced into this situation. So I see people professionally pushing them, themselves and building capacity in themselves, which is awesome. Um, and another piece on a personal side, just that flexible time that I have with kids, there are certainly days where yeah. um, I have a full day of virtual meetings that overlap and I'm running to the school for medical distribution or something else or letting, you know, whatever it might be. And I am just like, a passing ship in my house. Um however, there are days where I can come downstairs because I have an hour in between meetings or thirty minutes and I can just engage with my kids which never could happen midday and it's it 's really cool and they 've gotten they 've gotten better at just understanding that I have my makeshift office in one of their bedrooms <laughs> they leave me be when i 'm in there um, where they polite, they politely knock and if I am, have the uh, shush sign on my on my mouth they know to back away uh, but that flex time has been really cool. Uh, and lastly, from a staff standpoint, you're right, staying connected. I feel that we as a NAP staff, at least have really stayed connected. Um, we actually uh, had a, a staff happy hour, virtual happy hour on Friday. That went really well. Have fun. Oh um, Yeah, it was we. Um, so we, we changed it over to a zoom meeting just because you can see people better than in Google Meet. Um and you can, you know, you get all the tiles, so you can see like 30 people rather than three. Um, yep. So that helped, but we also had a purpose. So we did two truths and a lie, and everyone submitted their piece, and we had about 30 to 35 people who joined out of a staff of 65 or 70. Um, so it was really cool. We learned more about each other, uh, because we were able to to stop and smell the roses a little bit, um, and it was it was really cool. It was thirty five, forty five minutes, something like that, and so many positives after that. So it is important to stay connected and rethink how we do things. Hence, we're having this conversation with the intention to communicate a little bit differently and share some stories with parents and families. So um, that's l-
1: fantastic. Yeah, l- and while we were sitting here, a work email just came in that said. Hey, um, that a coworker is scheduling an online talent show for our division for mid-May <laughs> to show off everything that you've learned and accomplished over the lockdown.
0: And there we says, go. Just
1: kidding. Just show off your clean closets and happy pets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was actually hoping you'd you'd be sharing uh, your, your talent with us, Julianne.
1: That's hilarious. I do have a very happy pet. I do think that that is a silver lining. You do. my I... dog is getting walked more. Yeah. There's so much more attention, and yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. and I also think that it's been a the dog's been a great mental health support for us. So I can go have a puppy break when I need. But yeah, but I think it's fun. I think that it's finding new ways to stay connected because we all are feeling disconnected, and so it's it's using this moment to to take those those connections. So I used to use the example like I'm I'm not somebody who is adverse to change, and I know you are not either, mm-hmm. and. You know, and I think that on all of our teams, whether it's our team at home or it's our our work team, we have people who can juggle different things differently based on how comfortable they are with change and how focused they are. So I can have five to six things on a stove going at once and be okay with that. And some members of my team have one pot on a stove Mm -hmm. and they want to focus on that. And that's great because... You need everybody like that on your team. But now here we are in a place where we have, everything is condensed, right? We're all doing this from home. We're managing all of these different things in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, we're all kind of forced to level the playing field a little bit and also address things about each other in our teams that we may not have embraced before. Sure. Um, So I think that's great.
0: Yeah. Um, So I got one last question for you. Uh, How do you think life changes after coronavirus? Because this has been going on in my head. Like, how are we as a society, and as an education system, I guess, but as a society, how are things going to be different? And I keep asking myself... This question like are hugs public hugs are they going to be unacceptable or, or, or worse for for molar are high fives going to be deemed the devil? Am I going to be able to interact with people the same way I once did? So I am wrestling with that in my head, and i 'm not one who who gets wrapped up in fear, mongering or anything like that. Um, however, I do know as a society and as, as a community we 're going to come out from this. But I also recognize, much like people who went through the Great Depression, um, you if mm-hmm. talking to my grandparents, like they would, you know, and they're no longer alive, but they used to talk about growing up as a kid during the Depression, and they were very frugal. So it changed their mindset um, and what they did. And I'm certainly not trying to say that this is the same exact piece because I don't know. Um, but this is unlike anything anyone has ever seen, and it's a new global issue, um, how is it gonna change things moving forward?
1: I I think that how we connect, is, it is going to change, and how we find those connections with people, yeah. um, I think those connections are going to become more meaningful. Um, so I think there's kind of two things that need to connect, because I do know that, you know, if Shayla, for example, is really missing that social contact um, in school, so she's missing the high fives from you, from Mr. Woody, the hugs from teachers, and that's probably going to shift and change. It would have shifted and changed anyway because I think there's probably less of that um, at a middle school level anyway. Sure. Um, and so getting her to that place where she understands that, I think that I think one of the interesting things that we've been talking about is that article about the dolphins returning to the canals in Venice um we sat down and read that together and talked about what that meant um um and shayla and i did and when when we when we go away nature comes back and so Mm. i think one of the things that it's given us is a greater appreciation of of nature um that you know nature nature can't we, we were taking over a little too much so maybe letting some of those animals return to the canals and and then, you know, so it's we're looking, I think I told you that we're looking at the garden in our backyard and, um, and wanting to start it now with kind of spring vegetables. And I think that for two reasons. One is that I can't have those face-to-face social connections, so can I connect with nature? And, I, you know, I'm doing it through a garden. I think other people are doing it through hikes. I know that we're seeing a lot more people out doing family walks. Yeah. And so that connection to nature, I think is something that is, you know, we're going, you know, we're going, I don't, I think we're going to maintain that a little bit more. Um, so for me that connection to nature and that connection to my backyard garden is really about giving me a sense of control over this. So, you know, I think I was concerned about, you know, the hoarding, potential hoarding, right. know, that, things that were happening at the grocery store. Well, if I can grow a little bit of food, um, or I can even get to a place where I can give it so I have enough lettuce that I can give to a neighbor or I can invite a neighbor who has a toddler over and let them pick their own and count it as a field trip. It gives me a sense of control mm-hmm. um, that I can control this a little bit more. I can't control whether my Zoom meeting has good access or I'm on a, I'm frozen on a screen. I can't control right. um, You know whether my kids are going to be fighting every day or not. But I can go back and I can control that. I can, to the extent that Mother Nature will let me. So I think it's supposed to snow today or snow flurries. So maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but yeah. At least it's something.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave you with this piece. Um, speaking about like the high five issue that I have, right? Everybody knows that I give high fives on the daily. And in some cases, hundreds and hundreds of high fives. Uh, and it's just a way that I connect with, Our our K to six kids at NAP and our staff at times too. But um, so a few months ago, it was about two months ago, I applied for a Guinness World Record to include NAP. And for us to do like a PBIS celebration where all day I was giving high fives and I was going to break the record of 14,600 and something, Julianne, and then, you know, all of this happened. And that was the furthest thing from my mind, but you have to apply for it. And they're like, oh, it takes 12 weeks to get a response. I just got an email the other day saying, you're approved. I'm like, what? So I went through this process. I was so excited to do it, involve kids with it. Nap would be in the record books. And if I set my mind to it, it's going to happen, right? That was my mindset two months ago. And then I get this email and it was like, womp, 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 because they're approving my high five record that will possibly never be allowed to be attempted. So (laughs) that was my non-silver lining of the week.
1: (laughs) Is there a term limit? Like, I mean, does it
0: expire? Well, I I, I have no idea. I just, and again, I, I started the question with, how does life change after this? And that was one of those things, and certainly that, that not the... Cute. Yeah, but it would have been so fun to include the kids in something big like that and and wrap it into our PBIS monthly piece where that's my mission all day. And at the end of the day, we go outside and we just, we continue to give high fives. It was going to be awesome. I had it drawn out perfectly, but who knows? As a parent speaking to me, as a principal, um, what would be helpful to hear... Um, or what what would be helpful to pass along, or what are what could we be doing better, or do you have suggestions as a staff or as a North Penn Learning Community as teachers? How else could we connect with families? Do you have any other ideas, thoughts, suggestions? I think
1: everything that we're doing so far has just has really helped, right? Like because we're all trying to figure this out, and I the one thing that I think kind of it really hit me like the need for normalcy or to establish that was when Mrs. McFadden did, and this is at the urging of other teachers and parents, did the daily announcements yeah. from her family room. Um, and so establishing that sense of normalcy and that connection back. Yeah. So the teachers who are now doing story time, um, I think it's just so important for kids to see their teachers, that their teachers are finding time for enjoyment yeah. um, and learning and are still as committed and caring. And, and I think that on all the... You know the Google Hangouts and classroom check-ins and everything that's happened. Teachers are starting with that check-in first. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, I miss you. You know, here's what we're all struggling with. Um, that was so important. Um, and then I think, I think just keeping that going and keeping that up and and asking kids to you know connect in that way. You know, I think that there were efforts to. Have kids decorate sidewalks or put rainbows or shamrocks in their windows as a way of connecting. In whatever ways we can be creative, those are things that I never would have thought of. But ways that we can stay connected in that way, and I think that's what schools. And I've always said this for us. You know our our kids' engagement at school helped to create a sense of community for my husband and I. <clears throat> yeah. And so now that school is. In a different form, it's it's going, you know, it's it's taking shape in a different way. It's how do we keep school at that at that point in that that center of community, um, and so and I think that. Then have you have you seen the parent feedback about the device distribution?
0: Um, I have heard nothing but positive things. I can't say yes. I've scoured the comments so
1: overwhelming everything about the yeah. lunch distribution the device distribution about teachers checking in and how they're using you know Google Classroom right now during these times it's been overwhelmingly positive and i think that that positive piece is coming from it's be, it's because it's, that school is still working and is still doing its job in creating that sense of community and parents feel it even though you're in a car sticking your arm out to grab a lunch or you're grabbing your child's device and there's you see teachers standing there who are happy, engaged and enthusiastic and waving. Um and that is still coming across in Google Classroom too. Yeah. Um so I think keeping keeping this idea that school is community and how do we keep community alive, that sense of community alive through you know through google classroom is is the key, and it's whatever teachers are doing is working right now, so it's just it's building upon that
0: sure, yeah, I've been really impressed with the staff um you know, obviously the the meal distribution, the Chromebooks, the volunteers, you know, food services, and the tech department coming together for those two big pieces were huge. Um, but on top of that, um, that, that that's part of their role, right? But the the people who came out in droves uh, on a Saturday, on a whim, like we really didn't know about this till Friday afternoon. Um, this plan was in place, but so many teachers volunteering their time to come out just to put a smile on someone's face and help kids get connected because we know how important that is right now. Uh, and we don't want kids to be left behind. We wanna do whatever we can uh, to help them move forward and families move forward. And we have a huge question mark hanging over as far as how long does this last? Um, but people coming out to make that happen was awesome. Um, the, the feedback I got from staff was, wow, this was the most rewarding thing I could have been a part of. I'm so grateful that I was able to, to be a part of this. Um, the, the stories that I heard of some, some parents in, with tears of joy I mean that's that's really cool that yeah. that we were able to have a hand in that and some people far more uh, directly were able to have a hand in that and putting smiles on people's faces or relieving some of that stress um, for families or for kids uh, is really cool and you know even in these times you know finding those positives and we've talked silver linings and and we've talked with the, you talked about the gratitude each day I think it's super important to find those positives, whether we sit down as a family and talk about those positives, um, or as a community, or as a, a nap, NAP staff, for example, um, you know, finding those pieces that we can celebrate each day um, amidst all the chaos outside of here um, and and again it 's that chaos is different for every family, um, and people are experiencing in different ways, but um, still finding those positives and those pieces that we can hang our hat on and and you know air high five too <laughs> um, but. Yeah. Nonetheless, Julianne, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and, and ultimately speak with, with the community and and um, pass along your experiences and your knowledge and um, share some of your family stories and all that. And I know I appreciate it, and I really hope that our, our community appreciates it, too. I'm sure they will. So thank you. Well,
1: and thank you so much for doing this, too, because it, it's given me a much-needed I needed to reflect on the last week, too. I needed to reflect on what's worked and what's not worked, and it's really helped me to then prepare for this start of this new week. And then I look forward to hearing you, what you're up to, um, other parents that you may be talking to. I think we're all going to kind of – I think there probably will be takeaways from each podcast that you do that will to all, help us to all get through this together.
0: Yeah, n- no problem. Like I said, I'm looking for ways to do things a little bit differently. I know we're asking staff to do a lot and change their habits. And I think it's only apropos for me to do the same and to try and find other ways to connect um, and not be the one who's not connecting um, and not evolving and not changing. So that, that's important for me as well. So, But thank you very much. I appreciate all that you do and your time. Um, and I hope, you, I hope everybody's healthy and, and safe in the Ramach household moving forward.
1: Thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing too.
0: So that brings us to the end of the first ever naptime time podcast. Uh, I really appreciate everybody listening and tuning in and especially I appreciate Julianne taking the time to talk about her experiences during these unprecedented times. Uh, we look forward to returning next week with another perspective on life during the shutdown. As always, Feel free to reach out if you have questions for me or the NAP staff or feedback uh, throughout this journey that we're experiencing together. See you next week, NAP.